Hi, I'm Luke Campbell, and I work for a small wine company. He's Luke Morris, and... <laughs> Sometimes I say my own name. <laughs> and together, we are Luke's Talk Wine. We talk all things wine and booze and popular culture. Think when to drink, why we drink it, and the culture that surrounds drinking. Hello, Luke. G'day, Campbell. And hello to the listening audience. Welcome to episode 16, season 2. Have we got an episode for you? When does the season finish, Campbell? Are we, like, investigating a murder and we're going to find... How many episodes are there per season? Do we have a thing? We'll have to have a mid-season break. Um, okay. When's that? Yeah, no. <laughs> your guess is as good as mine. Season, let's say episode 20. Okay. Break. So what are we on now? 16, this week is episode 16, season 2. Only four more episodes to go. Just a quick note, this is actually episode 15. Um, But as always, when we get started in this episode, uh, we talk about what's going on this week. This week we're talking about what new, if any, varieties are you embracing? And the listener question, the listener question comes from the deep, dark depths of Bentley in Melbourne. And Grace, Grace writes, what are winemakers chasing? Is their pursuit of perfection in wine futile? Great question, Grace, and we'll talk about that a little bit later on. But as first, and as with every week, a bit of a quick shout-out, Luke Morris, what has been happening in your wine world this week? Pow! Um, I was just telling you that I went to the pub the other day, uh, yesterday, in fact, and uh, uh, I, I don't know exactly what I did. I said something funny enough that they decided to give me some free beers. Because, uh, and then I got home and had uh, like half a bottle of Mindery Musket and Bone Vanillies, a 2012. Quite a nice wine. Yummy. But I, I am now regretting that decision. <laughs> the, the wine regrets of waking up. And I thought, like, I did open it and think, you know, I know I've got more this summer. But have you had any wine regrets when you've potentially opened something and then thought, you know, Sitting at home, watching Grand Designs and drinking half a bottle of uh, Sticky isn't really the way I should be spending my evenings. (laughs) Uh, Yes, I I think probably, and I say we as in the Royal We, myself and the listening audience have all had that wine regrets. Uh, Maybe not quite to the level of you. Windery, Bone de Venise, look at you go. Um, no, it's Muscat no, Alexander, so, but it's basically the same thing. Yeah, the same. Um, very, very tasty and very, very, very highbrow. My wine regret isn't quite as hectic as that, but I do remember drinking what was actually wasn't even my wine. It was one of my father's wine uh-huh. at the time when he was still alive. Yeah. Uh, and I just presumed, you know, it was a local wine. It was a Lindemann's wine, and you know, it wasn't. Oh, that'd be cheapy. Yeah, a bit of a cheapie, that's right. But it happened to be one of those Lindemann's Bin 83, um, you know, one of the famous Hunter River Burgundy wines. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah, I just uh, swigged it down at an alarming rate. Tasty uh, good? I got home. It was tasty good. I'd come home from the pub, just like you, actually, and thought, oh, I'll just duck down here, Dad's away, and I'll just uh, have a, a glass, of, glass of red. It's been a long week, and... Had a few too many schooners, but a glass of red seems like a good idea. Um, and then, yeah, when I woke up and uh, rang Dad, Dad was on a fishing trip at the time. Oh, nice. Uh, no, n- n- not happy, Jan. 
Uh, yeah. Did you have hmm. to? Did so? What you just confessed? Did you try and replace the bottle? No, I didn't try and replace the bottle. I was actually just discussing with him in uh, in in conversation. She had a lovely bottle of Lindemans last night, and yes, I didn't you keep it under locking? Didn't didn't no. like locking key that stuff? No, well, I mean, I wasn't very old, Luke. I was, oh, I say, I was under twenty, but old enough. You know, we we had a few bottles down there together. Um, and I just didn't want to drink my wine. I just thought I'd drink <laughs> <laughs> So you had your own stuff and you just thought, now's not the time for anything I think that's good, okay, my wine. Now's the time for Dad's stash. Hang on, I'll blow some uh, dust off these uh, mm. off this grange here and I'll drink that. It uh, was lesson learned. Anyway, it's, uh, yes, my dad wasn't uh, yeah. one for expletive, but when he gets wound up, expletive could fly. Yikes. Yes, I had. Uh, I. This is sparking many a memory of someone coming into the shop and saying something along the lines of, "I was staying at a friend's house, and oh, I had oh. this really nice dry river Pinot Noir. Oh yes. And I'm just wondering whether or not I could get some. And I remember on on an occasion saying, like, normally it's like, no, no, you can't get that. You you you're in a lot of trouble. But on this one occasion, I was like, I actually have that wine. It's right here. And it's $120. And they looked at me and went, what? Really? Oh, no. Oh, I'm not paying that. (laughs) They're not that good a friend. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Maybe they just decided to burn a friendship rather than fork out $120 for a bottle that they shouldn't have drunk. It's like, oh, no, never going to see them again. No, nah, I'm not staying there again. I'm just going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to go home and drink more of their wine and, and smash them things and take them stuff down to cash converters and then punch myself in the eye. And, and so oh, we got robbed while you were away <laughs> rather than spend 120 bucks on a wine. Oh. <laughs> Fair bump, play on. Thumbs up emoji and we all move on. Yeah, exactly. Then the person might be like, oh, that's really sad. Oh. Oh. Hmm. Next. (laughs) Hi, this is Luke Morris from Luke's Talk Wine. I've written some books, so visit lukemorrisha.com.au. Go there, see the books, buy one, support the podcast. That's lukemorrisha.com.au, L-U-K-E-M-O-R-R-I-S-H-A.com.au. Have a great day. What well, no, next? Well, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Who's running, who's running this show? No, there I is know, a show can, going I can keep on. making stuff up if you want. <laughs> I know, you're doing beautifully as you're going. But what what I actually, it leads very well on to the um, our, our topic of the week, actually. What if any, new varieties are you drinking, are you tasting, uh, what are you embracing in general? After a recent trip to Canberra, you know, and I tasted some Viognier up there, I tasted some Tempranillo, um, and and just it's got me on, it it got me thinking to what different things am I drinking? And I am drinking quite diversely, I might add, but, yeah, what's, um, what's got your ears pricked up? You mentioned Musket to Alexandria there. Uh, what's got, what are you drinking that's oh. diverse and different lately, Luke Morris? 
Uh, not not much because I'm just drinking stuff that's in the cellar. I'm trying to not buy anything um, because you know financial <laughs> reasons. I mean, I yes. bought a bunch of wine and then stuck it under the bed and in, in, under the stairs in, in places. And uh, now I'm like, I, I really shouldn't buy anything new. Um, but I was just chatting to a customer about a Greek grape varietal, the white grape. Now, you might know how to correctly say this, and I'm just trying Assertico? to remember. Assertico. Mm. Yeah. Um, that that looks like fun. Greece is Chardonnay. Is that coming around? Sorry? Yes. Greece is Chardonnay. Yeah, 100%. He said, he, yeah. He, said, he said there was uh, um, vibes of uh, Chablis is what he got out yes. of it. Yes. Yeah. Have you seen, I don't know if anybody, any listeners or yourself has seen that floating around the shops. He, he said it was a Hardy's planting. Um, so there's a, uh, the Australians well, are planting it and, and growing it uh, and using it. Yeah, but, uh, Jim Barry makes a version of it. Like it, it's a Mediterranean oh, yeah. grape variety. It's grown in that Mediterranean basin, mainly in Greece. It's Certico, A-S-S-Y-R-T-I-K-O. And it is, you know, it originated in, um, is it Sardinia? No, Santorini. It's from Santorini, actually, rather than Italy. It's, um, and it has that, Chablis would be a kind of, it's dry, but it has these kind of like real lemony, like it's kind of almost yuzu. It, it, it's, you know, yeah, it's a, be a cross between kind of Gruner Beltland and Uzu? Did you just say it's like Uzu? Y- yuzu, you know that like that Japanese citrus. Um, oh, sorry, I was thinking of like the the Greek spirit that you drink. Oh, uzu. Late at night. I was like, <laughs> no, what? No, nothing. To do I, was, I was I was waiting to let you slide for that for a little while. Well, is he serious? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Yuzu, it's really citrusy, very high in acid. Yeah, a cross between Grunewaldiner and Chardonnay, effectively, and and. You know, it's a pretty classy white grape variety as well. It doesn't mind a little bit of oak, although it can handle entirely stainless steel ferment. Yeah, that that's, and it is grown out here. It's not a huge proportion of what we grow, but um, it sounds like something that should, if it's like that Mediterranean grape, it, it sounds like something we should. Like I, I don't think Barossa or those South Australia doesn't really strike me as too Mediterranean. I suppose down the coast is a bit. But I know um, McLaren Vale, McLaren Vale, yeah, is yeah, exactly, down, down by the coast. Peru yeah. Peninsula, also. Yeah. yeah. I want to see some in Heathcote. I think um, Heathcote would do okay for it because they do have, even though they're not by a river, they are they because they're by the mountains. They get cool at night and warm at at day, which is basically Mediterranean conditions. That'd be true. True. That'd be true. Fun. True. Yeah. Because yeah, we all find that a bit of a throw stumps. Yeah. That sounds like a good grape to start planting in Australia a bit more. Yeah, well, well, thankfully some some people have already embraced uh, Assertico, and yeah, I couldn't couldn't agree more. What well, else? I know you a, drink a bit of Tempranillo. Um, what else has uh, tickled your fancy? Ah, uh, nothing I can think of that's too unique. Uh, probably just things like Albarino, some because uh, that's well, a really fantastic. Albarino is very unique. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really like Albarino. Mm-hmm. That's another cool, fun white grape. Um, what about you, mate? You said you were just getting out to Canberra, and so you're looking at Tempranillos out there. Is Canberra oh, a bit yeah, cold? I, ta- for I, 
Probably yes, it is. Um, I mean, this is further south in in Tumbarumba and stuff like that. Okay. So um, it get, does get hot as well. It, yeah, these ones were, but yeah, I had a look at a couple of good Viognas. What I did love actually, I came across it's a Burgundy grape variety actually in that um, Alagote. So which oh, is yeah, yeah. here, it's kind of one of the closest living living relatives to Chardonnay, and obviously it's planted in Burgundy. Yeah. Um, it doesn't quite have the intensity of Chardonnay, but it's still a really fairly intense wine. It's grown in Beechworth and the King Valley. It's grown throughout Victoria, actually. Um, I've really been enjoying a bit of that. Um, yeah, that's a smart mate, uh, Chris Catlow makes, makes, makes an Alagote. Um, Friend of the show. We've never had him on, but we probably mention him once every three weeks. Yeah, we do, actually. Friend of the show, friend of the program. Yeah. <laughs> Luke's tall cat. Um, yes. <laughs> Absolutely, but I also also in that same vein, actually, Gamay. I've been drinking. I found myself ah, just been yeah, drinking yeah. a bit of Gamay, whether yeah. it be from Macedon or whether it be from the Yarra. I, I don't know why I've just been looking for those kind of cheeky, crunchy, midweight reds, and yeah. even right through summer, I, I found myself gravitating towards a Gamay. You know, if there was a, a bottle open at a barbie or someone brought it around for dinner, I'd kind of I, I found myself more often than not drinking that. You know, normally I would gravitate to a Shiraz or a San Giovese, but I just found myself kind of deviating a little bit towards the Gamay. And what a great wine. I mean, it's something we can, you know, again, closely related to Pinot, um, much, much softer, um, equally as difficult to grow, but utterly delicious, gluggable, in fact. Yeah, Gamay's uh, cracking. Yeah. Um, Mm. There's a bunch of Beaujolais coming into Australia at the moment. And for those who know, Beaujolais uh, Gamay. And uh, yeah, 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 lovely, lovely red. It's one of those things that this is the thing with all these odd grapes is that you think, oh, they're fantastic, but there's not enough of them around. Like not enough people drink them. And I don't know no, why. No, well, that's right. I think, you know, probably a lot of people don't know the variety. I mean, you've just said it there, but a lot of people don't know the v- variety. They might know Beaujolais, but they might not know it's yeah. Gamma. Yeah. So you need that you need that little in, like you said, like um, Assertico. If you if you start saying that's yes. Greece's Chardonnay, and it grows really well in our conditions, you know that's something that might probably would pick up a lot of people's interests. But if you just try and get them to buy a bottle of Assertico, that's going to be hard. It's all about the way you have to market. Yeah, well, it's difficult to spell, let alone sell. <laughs> it is. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, they go. But Gamay, like it, it's aromatic, you know, all those kind of violets and black teas, and just you know, it's everything from you know undergrowth to earth. But it's just got these concentrated black fruit flavors. It's kind of juicy. Yeah, it's the, that's the juicy character that I remember Perfect about it. Perfect for uh, you know autumnal winter winter drinking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. The other one I love is uh, Italy's Shiraz, Nero de Avola. Oh, yeah. You see that around more often than not now. It's grown everywhere from the Riverland to the Riverina to, you know, the Granite Belt. It's, um, it's Italy's workhorse. It comes from the southern end of Italy. But Nero de Avola it has that kind of punch of Shiraz, if you will, but not quite the alcohol levels of it. In Italy, they make it in everything from cement through to wood and stainless steel in between. It's, um, it loves a warmer climate, but... Utterly um, kind of slurpable, very, very delicious. Got great mid-palate weight to it. Nero's another one I uh, find myself picking up out of the, out of the bottle bin. 
Yeah, Neo Diablo. Well, you say it's got the punch of Shiraz, but the ones I've seen recently in Australia are a lot lighter. Like they're more mid-weight with good fruit. I don't know why that is. Maybe it's just they're not fermenting in oak and they're going through um, a, a, a cooler process. I'm not too sure why. But Nero seems to be... This this touches on what's probably the next question of the topic, which is how winemakers approach these unique grapes. Because... Very much so, I, yeah. I, I remember, you know, people planting a whole bunch of Tempanillo or what was it? The Viognier. I remember Viognier specifically. Everyone was like, okay, Viognier should grow in this region, but what's it going to be like in this region? And how do you want – this is a great varietal, but how do you want to re- represent it? How, how, how do we want to grow it? You know, you need to have a – you know, most wineries have to struggle – have to find a way to sell wine. And, you know, just yeah. being a red wine producer – it cuts down on the number of people you can be appealing to. So lots of them try and plant white grapes. But when you do that, you wind up, you know, you can't just plant Sauvignon Blanc everywhere because it doesn't grow very well everywhere. So they find stuff that grows well, like maybe beyond their rule in a warm climate. But how do you express that if you don't know it? I don't know. I'm probably talking bollocks, but anyway. No, you're talking absolute sense, and I, I agree with that. Another Rhone variety, uh, which has gone full, full circle, is Grenache. Like obviously, Grenache was planted here for fortified wines way back when, sure, and they all they only knew it as a big alcoholic swashbuckling brute. But yep. at that point, it got sweet and sickly. It got all cordial and bubblegummy. And now, what's happened is producers from McLaren Vale right through to Heathcote have started backing the oak off. They've started picking earlier with better pH levels, brighter acids, and you get these wonderful kind of mid-weight, almost elegant examples of Grenache without the yeah. bubble gum, without that ruby red, sickly sweet cottage cordial fruit, but some real varietal integrity. So you're talking, yeah. you're talking, you're not talking box at all. It's how these winemakers represent that variety, how they want They're, to. Everyone's learning those new f- f- grapes. So as we, you know, if we just say, wouldn't it be great if more people planted Gamay? Well, they can plant it, but then what happens? Yeah, that's right. They've got to craft it. They've got to grow it. They've got to vinify it. How do they handle it? How, yeah. Yeah, it's all very well. It's all very well and good for us to just sit here talking bollocks and saying, why well, isn't there enough grown of outliner in Australia? But, you know, apart from the fact that somebody has to sell the wine, somebody has to know how to make it. Very, very true. And which well, leads us to Grace's listener question. The, the listener question of this week is an absolute doozy. Um, but first, if you want to find us, if you want to get involved in the program, if you want to uh, just have an opinion or get involved in our hottest 100 wines, <laughs> yep. you can get in touch, actually. And how do you get in touch, Luke Morris? Get in touch by, this is where I usually make up something, skywriting. If you want to put a, uh, pay someone to, if you fly a plane, if you have a plane, access to a plane, go in the air and write your question in the sky and hopefully the clouds will hold together and drift from whatever part of the world you are to us and we'll be able to see that question and know that it's for us. And uh, if, if, you, if you don't have access to a plane, 
lukestalkwine at gmail.com is an email address you could also use. Perfect. Couldn't have said it better myself. And on that, <laughs> Grace from Bentley has said, what are winemakers chasing? Is their pursuit of the perfect wine futile? And is it futile, Luke Morris? Uh, my answer to that question is that winemakers are chasing uh, sales. <laughs> they, they need to sell wine so that they can keep, you know, unless unless they're one of those lawyers or doctors or Indian chiefs, as we um, probably no longer PC should say, but that's an old saying. Um, you, They need to be able to pay and look after the farm that they're on farming grapes and making wine. So they want to sell wine. And I know lots of winemakers who really, their, their pursuit of the perfect wine is really just the pursuit of James Halliday points. And they'll adapt and change the winemaking processes to suit whatever is the, the funky in the world at the time. You know, is, is it extra oak? You know, we went through the butter oaky stages of Chardonnay because that's what customers wanted. Oh, didn't we? I think you you and I know that, that that lots of wineries do that, and then the winemaker might have a barrel set aside or two that's just for them. That you might not, that the, you know, the public by and large don't see. Lethbridge do that well, all I the time. I think whether whether they're yeah, true. I think whether they're as a consumer, whether they're completely sober trials or whether they're absolute drunken tribulations. As a consumer, we can say, oh, this wine is perfect. This is the perfect glass of Alagote. But a winemaker is never going to say that because, and going back to Grace's question, is their pursuit of perfection, the perfect wine, futile? It's obviously very hard because they're dealing with agriculture. No two seasons are the same. No two vines are the same. You, you, You can't taste the same wine on the same day because your palate's going to be different. Um, there's so many variables. Um, so do you think, short, do you think there, anyone's chasing is, perfection, though? Do you, do you, do you think winemakers are? Oh, they're, they've got to be chasing something, you know, like, um, gee, you know, like for those of us who have ever watched my monthly Instagram show, Thirsty Thursdays, on the third Thursday of every month, we always mm-hmm. ask our winemakers and our guests and friends of the show whether they're chasing acid or tannin because they're either, in, in my experience, winemakers are either one or the other. They sit on either side of the fence. They're looking for a wine that's got great acid or they're yeah. looking for a wine that's got a wonderful tannin profile. What are they... Every winemaker um, is in it for something. They're either chasing a sense of place or they're chasing you know, a perfect balance of flavour or they're chasing the greatest representation of their family's name. I, I think huh. uh, I think the pursuit is different for every. You know, you and I both know winemakers who chase points, right? I, I think the pursuit is different for every winemaker. Are some of them chasing the perfect wine? Gee, I reckon that'd be one of the things they're chasing. Yeah, I do. No, I was just thought because if you try and do that, maybe it seems like an odd approach because terroir is different everywhere and. If you were to say what's the perfect wine, you might actually say, well, it's already been made and it's only made on, you know, let's, let's throw out uh, 
Romani Conti as a Pino, or, or maybe Rhone Valley if you, because we live in Australia and there's so much Shiraz. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe um, uh, what's the Grigel, the Ch- Chapelle? What's the the one of those? Yeah, yeah, yeah. La the Chapelle, chapel, effectively La, La Chapelle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you might think that that is the most fantastic bottle of wine in the world, and that's perfect. And you can't copy that in Australia because your terroir is different and your oak's different and your your bells and everything everything that you do is different. And you or so you I don't think anyone can really chase perfection. You, I think you can only really chase you know the best you can do, the best expression you can do because every year's different. You're just trying to make it so, to so a quality year, rather so, than an icon. So so this year you and I. We've, we've got a vineyard. We've got a Semyon vineyard in the Hunter. And yeah. weather-wise... Your weather-wise, dreams come was, true. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> weather-wise, um, it, it, it's perfect. Every, everything's perfect. Growing conditions, on, you know, everything. pH is at a great level. Alcohols have come up. Sugars are equal where yeah. we want them to be. We, we, we pick that and we make it. What, what are we doing here at this stage? Are you and I just making an agricultural beverage because we have to sell some... Semyon to make the Shiraz we want to do. Like, what's our what's our goal? Isn't our goal to make a, a a beverage that somebody wants to come back to this year, next year, the year after, and share it with friends? Isn't our goal to make the best example of Luke's talk wine Semyon we can ever do? <laughs> I think that yeah, you're trying to do the best you can, but I I just don't like the use of the word perfection because. What is that? You got to. What's the parameters on that? Like I said, if you where's the example of what's perfect, and if you've got an example of what's perfect in the wine industry, you can't copy it. You know, if if yeah, true, okay. You you can't like if someone in uh, has a recipe for the best cake in the world, there's a potential that you can buy those ingredients and replicate those, and Therefore, you're chasing perfection by having exactly everything down to a T and matching what you think perfection is. But yeah, so, you can't so in the wine enough, game. So, Sorry, mate. You can't. So you can so just do. You can just that, represent yourself the best you can. And I think that's. I think that's noble. I, I wouldn't argue anyone against that. No, that is noble. So on that, I particularly like. You know, I like a little bit of Nebbiolo from the Lungate, like from the Piedmont area in Italy. And I particularly like the 2012, I particularly like the 2017 vintages. So I buy a lot of those wines, though, and, and I have done in the past. Um, literally, I, I love 12 and I love 17 as a vintage for me personally. But I might take a 17 to your place and you might have a bottle of 12 Barolo and we'll sit down. And I might go, oh gee, this seventeen's good. That twelve, that is a cracking year. And I think, I think that's a perfect glass of wine. And you might go, oh geez, you know, like I hate a twelve. It's a, it's a rubbish. So it's not perfect for you. So all of a sudden, we've got a, a, a faction personified, basically. With that, yeah, I think is 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 it perfect? But then that then that be becomes a personal taste. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I think you, I think people can strive to do the best they can in in the in the years, and sometimes what they have to strive and do is, you know, to sell product. 
and sometimes what they but they might in in those cases they might have the special special barrel aside that you never see but yeah um maybe it's a question for a winemaker you know it's like two football pundits who've never well, we've both worked in wine wineries but we're not you know that's not our full job that's not our dream no no well, in every Maybe. glass of wine, there is, for me, in every glass of wine, there's promise, there's 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 hope, and sometimes a sense of place. But there's often inexplicable happiness because it'll take you somewhere. It'll be like a great song. And I think if every winemaker had that attitude, I think it'd be a different story. Like, unfortunately, Australia happens to be the wine industrial heartland, so we don't often get that passion. But for me, every glass of wine has some promise and, and hope and in most cases inexplicable happiness because it has a sense of place. But it's not every winemaker's pursuit. You're right, Luke, and I think it, it, maybe it is a question for a winemaker. Yeah. Um, what are you so aiming Grace, for? I, yeah, what are you aiming for, Grace? I don't know if we've answered it, but we've certainly had a fat, funny, fascinating chat about it. <laughs> well, maybe when – dear listener uh, – Luke's talk wine is one one way you can hear the answer to this question, but maybe Luke Campbell will talk to a winemaker on Thursday, Thursday, and he might prop it up to one of those people. Yeah. That's a very check good out Thursday, Thursdays. Oh. Uh, check out Thursday, Thursdays, yes, on the third Thursday of every month. In fact, glad you asked, Luke Morris. This Thursday, we're actually talking to um, the team from Vinaya Marson up in Heathcote. Uh, we're talking about their Italian whites and reds. This Thursday will actually be uh, my episode of Thirsty Thursdays 36, I think, and it is the 19th for those of you listening to the podcast in the morning or the evening or the night. It is actually the Thirsty Thursdays will be on Thursday the 19th of May. But... Um, which may or may not be the Thursday. day that this gets released. So no, we'll see exactly. how we go. <laughs> if you do, don't get to see it, you can log on to my Instagram, which is that vinified underscore wine underscore services, and look at the reels or look at the series that is Thirsty Thursdays and Instagram Live. But continuing on with this episode of what you and I have been talking <laughs> about, Luke Morris, what yeah. have you been drinking? We kind of answered it in this week's topic, but of late you said uh, musket. Yeah, of too late at night. <laughs> too late at night. Uh, what else? What else has been on the bench? Beers. Uh, I had some beers, yeah. But um, uh, what will be of interest to you is uh, so Eurovision was in Turin, uh, part of Italy, Ooh. and as is tradition. I um, cooked something from the country, so we had some pizza. Um, I've got to say, homemade um, pizza base and just a basic – is it margarita? It's just tomato and some cheese and some um, oregano leaves on top. Oh, oh, that was – Outstanding. Simplicity and perfection, to to use a word that's potentially – overused but it was fantastic really loved it and what did you swing down with it well uh there was an uh, 2016 Barolo. oh hello and then we had an amarone Ooh, i think that was yeah. in 2018 and then like 
there's probably another half hour or so of the of the Eurovision to go, and I thought, oh, I could go another glass. And so I went to the cellar and pulled out a 15 Barolo. And that, yeah. was, that was the mistake, because I shouldn't have opened that. But it did have the next morning when we got up um, and hadn't finished off that decanter. Gosh, it, it, was, it was a good breakfast wine. It had decanted overnight beautifully. Oh, wow. Yummos. And so... That's what I was drinking. You've come around to Barolo and food matching and, you know, when we started this little podcast of ours, you were like, oh, what do those Italians know about producing wine? You know, go and have a look nice. at the Spaniards. But, no, you've come around. Yeah, no. I, I, no, I prefer the Spanish wines, but it was pretty good. I mean, you know, I was drinking the be- apparently the best stuff that Italy has on offer and thinking, yeah, this is all right to go with my pizza. <laughs> <laughs> And it was all right. And then we had, we had, uh, what's the, what's the, the, the sausage, Spanish sausage? What's they called? Chorizo. Chorizo. Chorizo on pizza in the morning with the um, uh, leftover broilo. That was yum. Enjoyed Ooh, that. And then we put pineapple on the pizza, and that was even mm. better. Oh, Yum. If you agree or disagree with Luke's food and wine matching, please email lukestalkwine at gmail.com and let us know if pineapple belongs on a pizza. We'd love to know. I don't care what your thoughts are. <laughs> I don't. Um, put, do you know what? I got? I, someone told me that uh, it's traditional to put pear on a pizza. You caramelise some pear and you can put that on a pizza. And that's, oh, that is tradition. They do it with rocket and some yeah. aged balsamic vinegar. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that's Delicious. normal, but another citrusy kind of fruit is not allowed because it's from a different. Yeah, don't be so boring. <laughs> Express yourself a little bit. Pizza. Have a go, you reckon? Go. Yeah, have a go. Uh, <laughs> put chorizo on the pizza. That's Spanish. You know, when, leave me alone. I'm just enjoying my life. <laughs> don't email well, me you... your opinions on pineapple and pizza. I don't care. <laughs> Well, you keep up. You just keep having a go out there. And ladies and gentlemen, if you're listening, if you're listening, um, mum, <laughs> if, if, if you are listening, if you though, turns off in disgust. <laughs> try something different. <laughs> try a different match. If you like it, it's a good wine. But yeah, you see, in pursuit of uh, that perfect glass, see if you can find it in between this week's episode and next week's episode, uh, because that is pretty much the end. It's pretty much a wrap. We've loved having what, you. What are you Thank drinking, Campbell? Aren't you supposed to be plugging something that's on your website? Well, yeah, well, yeah, I can absolutely do that, actually. I have been drinking none other than uh, some great Shirazes. Um, Australian Shiraz, moreover, Heathcote Shiraz, uh, some big, bold Heathcote Shiraz. And uh, in preparation for this week's Thirsty Thursdays, I've also been drinking the Vinia Marson wines, both the white field blend and their 2016 Sangiovese, just doing a little bit of prep on the side. So, yeah. um, and they are on our sites. You can actually buy a mixed six pack of the Vinia Marson wines and taste along with us on Thursday night if you so feel fit. Um, and those wines are particularly savoury and they just bring inexplicable happiness, Luke Morris. Oh, good. Inexplicable happiness. Yep. Wow. That sounds like a wine. That sounds like one of those new fangled wineries that will start up 
summer and someone would call it inexplicable happiness Shiraz. Well, not me. I just wanted to ask. Inexplicable happiness Vidello. <laughs> yeah. Inexplicable happiness Vidello. As a, as a winery. That's, that's what I want. When, when we uh, when we elope to the Hunter Valley and plant some semion as is your dream, yes, inexplicable happiness semion is uh, what we'll be <laughs> crafting. That'll be high on the agenda. <laughs> Please, take me. Oh out. well, unbelievable! But thank you very much, everybody. Thank you to the listening audience. Thank you to Luke Morris. Uh, we'll be back, God willing, next week. Tell some friends. Me- Tell yeah. friends to listen to the podcast. Do that. Tell some friends. Get involved by emailing us your uh, top wines, top 100 wines. And whether this is an obsession for you, it's certainly an obsession for me. But we've loved to have you listening. Thanks very much to the listening audience. Thank you very much, Luke Morris. And in the words of Tony Barber, keep smiling and bye for now. Vinified are the wine seller's specialists. We're Australia's only personal sommelier service. Our sommeliers work with you to build your cellar. Our aim is to bring you the wines from the freshest new producers, all based on your tastes. We can come to you, source your wines, present tastings. Think of Vinified as your wine concierge. We can do retail, we can do tastings, we can host your dinner parties, or we can procure you that rare wine. Vinified is proud to be associated with Luke's Talk Wine www.finified.com.au